You are listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Corbin. And I'm Claire Perini. And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast. Yes, friends, today I've got a little treat for you. It's, yes. it's, um, we don't often have Regent students on the podcast, so this could be the beginning of many more, who would know? But we had a conversation with uh, Mary Beth Lasgrain, who is a current Regent student. She's just finished her MATS in Biblical Languages, her Masters of Arts in Theological Studies, and she's just moving on to do her THM or a Masters, of, Masters in Theology. Um, and in she loves the biblical languages, unlike anyone I have ever met. Yeah, it's incredible. So we talked about, and so we talked about sort of her study of that while she's been at Regent and then this integrative project that she did that sort of, that looked at um, kind of language learning and the, and the biblical languages and she'll talk more about that. But Mary Beth is originally from the US, but she's lived in Canada for the last 10 years. Uh, she was an engineer before coming to Regent um, and is now a student and does some consulting on the side. She's j- just picked up paddleboarding and kayaking and loves cooking things, cool things in the kitchen and making interesting things. But the thing you really need to know about her, the thing that you will catch from her hopefully is an infectious love for the biblical languages and the I've, importance of them. I feel like I, I got a taste of that and I caught that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, having two years of languages thus far, I came out of it not feeling that as much, maybe a little bit, but uh, I do appreciate her desire to learn language and to teach others how to learn the biblical languages. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it she comes at it from a perspective too that's not as analytical although that's important, not treating the language as a code to uh, parse out and dissect, Mm. um, but as a language to be learned in its Mm. original context through pictures, through illustration, through simply reading the language in in an implicit way, which we got into that as well, that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, it, it kind of, I guess, gave a little bit more passion to it um, rather than just treating biblical languages as something to dissect. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really helpful. Yeah. So, friends, we hope you enjoy our conversation with Mary Beth as much as we did. Enjoy. Mary Beth, welcome to the Regent College podcast. Thank you. We're so glad to have you. Yes. Now, um, for people who are listening, um, it's totally my fault. I take full responsibility for the fact that we're having this conversation (laughs) with Mary Beth right now. Um, And the reason is because every time I talk to Mary Beth, my mind is kind of like exploded in terms of why we should study biblical languages. Mm. And I'm hoping that you catch some of her her enthusiasm because – the enthusiasm is not inherently in me, Nick. Is yeah, it- no, not not at all. <laughs> and I've done languages; it's still not there. So it's still not there yet. But, I'm but ready hopefully, for it. hopefully, people will catch the catch the the joy. But Mary Beth, tell us a little bit. Where are you kind of in your regent journey, and how did you how did you come to be at regent in the first place? Yes. Um, so I'm beginning my fourth year at Regent. I've just finished the MATS in biblical languages, um, and I'm continuing on with a THM in Old Testament this year. Mm-hmm. And like, like, 
you came because you wanted to study biblical languages, right? Like yes. that was why did you love it so much? Like what why did you think I need to, I want to do this? Well, I grew up in a Christian tradition where everyone used the same Bible translation. And there was a lot of preaching, a lot of emphasis on Bible reading, and it was all with the same Bible translation. And yet there were still significant sometimes differences in interpretation. Um, a passage would be said to make a particular point based on where the speaker was placing an emphasis. So, um, and then the next week or next year, someone else would speak on the same passage, place the mm. emphasis somewhere else, and mm. come to a different conclusions about what we should learn from that passage. Yeah. So um, I came to the conclusion that the only way I could really uh, evaluate these different ideas was through learning the biblical languages myself. So mm -hmm. it actually started as just a hobby for me mm. um, yeah. a while back, and then I... Um, got to a point where I was looking for more than what I could learn through self-study. And so Regent came up on the radar because uh, it's one of the few places that offers advanced um, language instruction. Wow. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you just like just purely out of self, just out of interest. It's like this is this is the this is what the sort of people you need teaching and us about biblical. Maybe languages. I missed it, but did you say you had an engineering background? Is that what you said? Uh, yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I have an engineering background. I do engineering related work on the side now um, as a student, uh, and so this is not really, I guess, related to that at all. It's it's just you know as a as a Christian and wanting to understand um, the Bible better, I was and interested in languages. I was kind of drawn to the study of biblical languages and um, happened upon some really helpful self-study materials and just kind of took it from there. Yeah. Wow. It's, do you do you see any connection yeah. between kind of the engineering kind of like in my mind language learning can be technical and we'll get more into this kind of how do we mm -hmm. learn languages and stuff but do you see any and I always think of engineering as kind of like technical yes. but do you, is is that true like a, does it, do you see any continuity between the two or what continuity or discontinuity. Um, I actually see kind of a dangerous ravine between the two in the sense that <laughs> if you try to connect them, you can come at language with an approach that's not consistent with how language works. Mm. So there is certainly that that um, side, uh, that sort of analytical side that can be helpful in in mm. research. And I'm um, uh, my thesis now. I'm I'm drawing on my background in engineering to um, to look at some uh, phenomena of biblical Hebrew, but um, approaching uh, languages the way we would approach an equation is actually I think quite dangerous mm. and um, mm. for our theology of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, okay, that, that's good. Yeah, I feel like we're going to get into that a little bit more uh, later here. But I wonder if we could just first start with kind of some foundational uh, structure to this of how you, uh, like different people come with different sets of assumptions to scripture. So how would you approach scripture and interpretation? Like what assumptions are you coming with? So just so we can be on the same page there. Sure. So my um, approach to uh, hermeneutics and uh, theology of inspiration and biblical language study um, is all sort of based on the assumption that scripture is God's self-revelation to the community of faith in human language. And uh, that has implications for um, all 
all those areas of study. Right. And uh, my argument is that we should be consistent um, in all of those areas and not adopt a, a different assumption or allow other assumptions to creep in to, for example, our study of biblical languages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What uh, what other assumptions would you would could kind of creep in? Like yeah. what like what would you be kind of nervous of? Well, um, the primarily the assumption that we should approach scripture in a manner markedly different from how we approach uh, human language in general. Right. So if we approach scripture and we presume it's going to be making, for example, um, always going to be making statements of fact, then we're not open to the diversity that's avail- inherent in mm. human language mm-hmm. uh, in, very, you know, poetry and, um, you know, persuasive kind of persuasive writing, right. uh, imagery and, and that kind of thing. And we're really mm-hmm. cutting ourselves off from, um, the scripture that God has given us by not mm-hmm. approaching it in a manner that's consistent with what it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And then, and cause that's what, that's sort of, that's your, one of your things is like, how do we approach language in general? And therefore then how do we approach that in the same way? How do we then approach the biblical language and how we learn language? Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about kind of implicit and explicit learning in language and why it's important to understand that when we're acquiring a new language, the implicit, explicit learning of language? Sure. Uh, Implicit language learning is, well, implicit knowledge of a language is Mm -hmm. knowledge that you um, have and you don't have to think about recalling it. So when we're speaking right now, we're using language, we're not thinking about how to put our sentences together, we're not parsing the words that are being spoken, Um, we're just hearing and understanding it and responding accordingly to it. Uh, On the other hand, explicit knowledge, uh, which is by no means bad, (laughs) is the ability to... um, give rules for morphological changes or to uh, parse a verb or to um, repeat a a verb table, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, And these things aren't bad, but they're not really correlated with fluency. They're not really correlated with actually reading and thinking in the language. Yeah. Mm. So Mm. why, why is this, I mean, important to understand when we're learning a new language? Uh, Well, we should choose activities, uh, sorry, Um, we should choose activities, uh, learning activities that allow, help us to internalize a language. And we should not assume, oh, I know this rule. Hmm. That Mm -hmm. that means, oh, well, I know the language. Right. And in biblical language, this learning, this has been a this tends to be a bit of an issue um, because the grammar translation method is sort of based on the idea that um, if you know the rules, uh, then you know the language. Right. And but you're not really interacting with a language like a language if you're always going through rules. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Got it. Yeah. Makes. So the overall goal then in in learning a biblical language isn't necessarily to just. Comp- obviously it's not just to comprehend the rules it's you're you're kind of making the argument it's to have that implicit understanding of the language we have specifically with biblical languages yes to be able to receive the text of scripture in the way its first recipients received mm. it uh, which comes with its own uh, cultural background and and right. uh, linguistic uh its own linguistic uh, conventions and and yeah. so on, right, right. 
Yeah. So and so the goal is just to understanding it as the original hearers would understand it, without kind of without kind of getting every little grammatical thing. Yeah. Correct. I mean, is that kind of my experience and. I think this was integrated a little bit more, but I did a lot of just over and over again, the the verbal paradigms, the tables, the parsing of words, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of dissecting the words. And so there was, I mean, there was, there seemed to be that goal, but obviously that wasn't the main, that wasn't the main goal. That was just a side of it. But so do you feel like though the ex- explicit learning or or goals kind of oftentimes in language learning trump the implicit desire like the implicit goal i do feel the two tend to get confused mm-hmm. um and and i would say our goal is certainly to understand what is being said but of, of course if scripture is god's revelation to the community of faith it's it's for a purpose so just understanding it doesn't really quite complete the purpose. Yeah. It's when we mm. receive it and it affects our lives um, right. and our communities of faith in, in the way scripture was intended. That's when uh, it's a, it is accomplishing its purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're not, you're, it's not like you're saying do away with the explicit learning or, or what, I guess, what are you like, what's the method or, or approach then that you would take in learning a language, either looking at Hebrew or Greek? specifically? I think there are a lot of methods that can be used, so I wouldn't want to narrow it down to a particular one, but I would say that what methods that are chosen should have as their primary focus, implicit knowledge, Mm. uh, acquiring the language, becoming fluent in the language. Now, um, we operate in worlds that don't speak the biblical languages. So we do need to have some kind of um, explicit knowledge so that we can converse, especially with people who haven't approached languages this way. We can't just say, well, I wash my hands of you. You approach the languages wrong. I have nothing to learn from you. Um, Certainly we're in a community. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And and as well, you know, adult learners do uh, of, of a second language do learn better when they have some explicit instruction uh, saying this is how the grammar works. But hmm. um, what people need most of all to learn a language is lots and lots of understandable input. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mary Beth, how did you come to think about this? Had you, When you were doing all that self-study stuff, were you thinking, ah, this isn't working. I feel like I'm not getting it. Like at what point did you think I'm not like this is like I need to think about my language, the language learning differently? Or did you, or did you think that before and then you applied it straight away? To what to your own language learning? Well, I actually happened upon uh, self study materials that took a communi- more of a communicative approach. Uh, so my first interaction with the language was um, right. listening and seeing little pic- what was happening in little pictures and listening mm. to what was going on. Um, and then as I interacted with people, that was self study. So then as I interacted with people that had taken this more traditional approach, I noticed there was quite a big difference in my level of comfort with the language. Hmm. And that then led me to um, led me to a desire to to make a contribution in in some way with my life's vocation to um, to biblical language pedagogy. Wow. Oh, which comes which is a beautiful segue. Yeah. To where like so your biblical language learning pedagogy and making a contribution kind of you've been it sort of starts with well the way i've come to understand it is your integrative project that you did for your 
kind of completion of your MATS was so for those of us so people who are listening when you come to the end of your MA Masters of Arts in Theological Studies you can do either a major paper you can do a thesis you can do a comprehensive exam you can do an integrative project and so Mary Beth did an integrative project so tell us tell us what you did and then we can kind of explore sort of that and but what did you do for that integrative project yeah I did something a bit different um I made a uh biblical languages reader um, in which I retold a number of Aesop's fables in the biblical language. Uh, Biblical languages, uh, I did mostly Hebrew, but some Greek as well. And those were written with normal grammar, so to speak, but with very, very restricted vocabulary so that they would be a resource for learners uh, to uh, internalize the biblical languages and to begin interacting or to help them interact with the languages um, in a, a way where they're just paying attention to meaning and mm-hmm. um, it's not an exercise in a book or uh, a story that they they're familiar with from scripture but uh, mm. but something to be um, some additional comprehensible input which is so crucial to language acquisition mm-hmm. what, yeah why Aesop's fables what what so particular about those that is helpful? Yeah, well, I played around with a couple ideas. Um, I settled on Aesop's fables because they are self-contained stories that I could adjust. Um, The original Aesop's fables are quite concise, and so I could kind of develop those into stories. Uh, And um, they're stories that just speak about human experience. Mm. And so people... There's, there's drama, there's conflict, there's people judging, there are people trying to get one over on other people, there are the people who are um, attached to things they shouldn't be, uh, and mm. it's just, uh, it just provides a lot of variety and mm-hmm. um, kind of a, a, way, a way forward. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example of some fables you, trans- like one, some that you used in your little collection? Sure. So uh, one of them is a man uh, who gets a stone, or uh, let me start over. (laughs) One of them is a man who scrimps and saves all of his money um, to get a lump of gold so that he can just hoard it. And he's so concerned about it being stolen, he buries it in a field and then comes back and looks at it and then buries it again and and so on. And then um, eventually it gets stolen. And so he's distraught and he's wailing and a woman passing by, um, asks him what, what he's crying about. And in, in the conversation, she asks if he's Job. So there's a little bit of a cameo there with some of the biblical, um, characters and asked what he was going to spend the money on. Well, turns out he wasn't going to spend it on anything. He just wanted to have, have it to look at. And, um, spoiler, uh, she hands him a stone and says, well, if that's what you need here, have this, no one will take this from you. And then, <laughs> and then I feel like I don't know whether you want to do this, Mary Beth. I feel like we need to at some point get you to tell us that story in Hebrew because there might be people who are listening who can actually speak and understand Hebrew. And like, could you do that? Do you think? Um, I have a copy, but uh, <laughs> I haven't really practiced reading it. Out loud. No, that's fine. No, 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 that's fine. We don't. If you, yeah, you don't. You don't have to. But I feel like it but could be fun. What What would happen though is you would you have have all these fables written out and for those who are learning Hebrew or Greek, you would provide these fables in both Hebrew and Greek. They would read them 
and then have to translate them? No. Is, oh no. my goodness, Nick. No. <laughs> no Nick. That's Nick, not what you Nick. do. What have you learned That's, from this conversation I'm, Well, so I'm just far. thinking, I, this is gibberish to me. You know, <laughs> yeah, like totally. I need to translate this, right? <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> I wouldn't even be able to. I wouldn't even be able to translate it. So I am. A, I cannot judge or joke at your yeah. expense. Yeah, no, yeah. no. They're they're meant to be uh, read and understood in the language without some intermediary English nonsense, but uh, straight in the language, so that you're thinking in the language and interacting with the text in the language. And um, when you stop to parse or write out each word. Uh, in English, as you get to it, or um, unscramble the text, so to speak, to put it in to put it in English, you're not really reading Hebrew anymore. Uh, you're encountering right. um, it, uh, the text as a code, and it's not a code. It was written directly in the languages uh, to be read in the languages and um, to internalize grammar to uh, build up that uh, implicit knowledge. Uh, you need to encounter texts. Uh, in the language as they are and leave them there in the language and enjoy them there. So not even utilizing English. What do I, what do I use? Or Spanish then? or French. Or Spanish or French. Yeah, sorry. Thank you for Portuguese. being global, Claire. <laughs> From Swahili. I, yeah. <laughs> what do you, what do you use then? Like, how do I understand a word, a sentence, a phrase, if I can't use my native language? Well, ideally, you would be picturing the meaning in your mind. Uh, that's not to say you can't refer to other mm -hmm. things if you need to look up a word or check something. But if you read a sentence and you understand 90% of it, that's good. Move on. Go to the next sentence. See what happens in the mm -hmm. story. Uh, don't, don't let the little thing you don't know yet keep you from um, enjoying what you do know. Sorry to interrupt this wonderful conversation. But Claire Perini has something really important she'd like to share with you. Thanks, Nick. I do have something very important to say. Firstly, it's to say thank you to the number of people who listen to the podcast and they, they like the podcast so much that they send us emails to let us know or little donations of cashola. Mm. So um, so thank you for those who, are, who have been supporting the podcast. But if you've been listening to the podcast and you've been thinking, oh, I wonder how Nick gets paid. No. <laughs> Cut, <laughs> Cut that out. That out. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've been listening to the podcast and you've appreciated some of the conversations that we've had, we would love you to, to let Regent know by sending us an email or sending us a donation. And you can do that on the Regent College website if you go to rgnt.net forward slash give. That's R G. NT.net forward slash wow. give. What a great American, North American accent. Or like some sort of weird <laughs> hybrid accent. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. And if you do give a donation, would you please tell them the podcast sent you? Thanks for listening and for your support. We hope you enjoy the rest of our conversation. So then, but why would you not? Why would we not just stay in the biblical text and and do it that way? Like why why use a fable rather than just kind of like okay yeah, yeah I need to understand it in the in the original language therefore let me just stay in the biblical text and do what you're saying like internalize the language or or whatever. 
Uh, reading the biblical text directly is great, especially once you get to the point that your vocabulary level is high enough to use a reader's Hebrew or Greek Bible that has less familiar vocabulary footnoted, um, and that's great. However, this reader was intend is intended for people before that point. So suppose okay. you only know mm. words that appear 300 times in biblical Hebrew. Uh, you can still start reading and um get exposed to the text. Uh, there's also the situation that a lot of the biblical text is just very difficult. Um, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't start someone off in English reading Shakespeare. Um, mm -hmm. and another issue is that in usually the easier texts are the more well-known texts and you know exactly what's going to happen in the very next verse. So, uh, um, yeah. it's easy, especially if you're familiar with an English translation to be thinking of the English translation in your head while you're reading, which there again, you're not, uh, practicing thinking in language, in the language. Right. right. So like, so an example might be if you know, John one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the good. So, and the word was God and the word, you know, was with God from the beginning. You now, know it, Claire. Uh, yeah, well, now I'm like, I think I've got some of that order mixed up. But essentially, <laughs> I would then, if I was trying to read that in Greek, I'm already thinking, I know what's, I know what's coming because it's already in me. Is that that's kind of what you're saying, right? So right. to actually to have that completely out of your, not completely out of your mind. Obviously, I don't know how you could take it completely out, but that but to you give yourself of, practice with a little bit of distance. Yeah, totally. Yeah, makes sense. It does. Yeah, it does. I just want to make sure. I'm understanding this whole translation. I I know I know we kind of touched on a little bit, but are you using uh, pictures and images for Hebrew words? Is that how you would advise people to learn Hebrew or Greek? Yes. Well, I would highly recommend it where it's possible. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's not really easy to do. Uh, in which case, I would encourage learners to not just think of the English word, but you look at the English word and picture the meaning in your mind. And with that image in your mind or the idea in the forefront of your head uh, to then then uh, use the Hebrew or, or Greek word. Right. Right. So I, I don't I don't mean to say that English can never be used. Mm -hmm. It's just that uh, there's danger in English becoming the lens or the screen through which the language always must pass in order for us mm, to understand yeah. it. Right. Definitely. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I mean, it totally makes sense how we learn. Like when I first started learning Spanish, it was in Spain and I was, you know, speaking to others. And so just having that yeah, the the words being connected with the images and not necessarily with the English translation and how that right. that can be important and significant. I wonder, is there a point where you're you would say, okay, we've done ASOS fables. I have this somewhat probably implicit, like I have 90% of this translation down. Is there a point where you're like, okay, we can go on to biblical translations and we can go on even further to explicit learning, meaning we're learning paradigms, we're learning. Do you, do you see that a part of this at all or not, not at all? I think some explicit learning can uh, accompany it, accompany mm -hmm. this, this method along the way mm -hmm. and can be very helpful. Um, I would be more concerned about this idea that translation 
uh, translation as kind of the learning activity, uh, particularly in the um, first year or two outside of like special projects and that kind of thing uh, as being the normal way to interact with uh, scripture. Uh, instead, mm. I've, I've done things like, uh, we'll, you know, we'll read a, with intermediate learners. So we'll read a passage and then I'll ask questions and they'll ask questions and we'll answer them, but we can stay entirely in biblical Hebrew. And mm. sometimes uh, we can uh, express an idea, something that's, that's unclear. Um, I can provide just a brief, simple, simple, simplified explanation and, uh, or, and other things. So there's, there are ways to interact with the text and check comprehension without translating. Hmm. Right. By staying from, yeah, staying within the language. Staying in the language. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. And cause yeah, there's, there definitely, it seems like, as you say, the, the explicit learning needs to happen alongside, which happens in language learning anyway. Like you, like you're not with a one-year-old, you're not talking to them about what verb goes or what the noun for mum or dad is. Like you're just. Right they just learn it and yeah. then as time goes on they figure out you you know you learn what a verb or an adjective or a is that mm-hmm. is that am i is that kind of what you think saying like you got to kind of approach it as if like that well sort um of. sort of uh adults sort of, sort of not <laughs> <laughs> well adults do do well with because they already speak a language a purely yeah. immersion environment isn't um adults will just transfer whatever their uh native language is into the into the target language unless you point out to them that there are some differences. So mm, certainly, right. but with the idea that of pointing out things, see, notice this, here's how I said, um, I have a pen, you have a pen, she has a pen. Um, and then um, notice what happened there then as a sort of, uh, a sort of debrief. Here's, here's what was going on in the language that we just used. It can mm. be quite helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, you might have, you might have kind of. I think you have touched on some of this before, but and so maybe maybe there's a bit more to say. I don't know. So you would you would say to learners, focus on understanding and enjoying the stories in the language in which they're provided, avoiding yes. translations, analysis, and mental restructuring. Like why is that? You've sort of talked about that in the, but is there anything more you would want to say to kind of unpack that that sort of idea and your encouragement and not? I was going to say imploring of people <laughs> to do that. <laughs> well, I I would. Uh, encourage people to set as their goal, um, understanding the language as it is and thinking in the language. And Mm. so to really prioritize uh, encounters with the language that will let them practice and develop that Mm -hmm. and not um, uh, decoding or some other sort of um, artificial kind of activity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there other, so other than your Aesop's fables, like, are there other kind of tools that people that people are doing that? I mean, guess the things that you were saying, the self-study stuff did a little bit of that. Are there, like, is that quite common? Is that hard to access in the kind of biblical language learning world right now? It's it's actually uh, becoming more common, especially in mm. Greek. Well, there are a few things in Hebrew. There's some uh, communicative-oriented uh, textbooks and, and curricula out there, um, as well as uh, a few collections uh, of stories or other other kinds of materials like that, um, a bit more for Greek, and it seems to be an area that's growing, and um, I'm, which is something I'm really excited for. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you can and you be a contributor to it. Yeah, <gasps> I was just going to say that. Will you will you get your these published? Uh, I do hope to. I don't have uh, firm plans yet, though. <laughs> no. And actually, we were talking about images before. It made me think you did illustrate the the fables as well. Um, oh. Why was that? Is was it to connect the? Or did you can, did you illustrate all of them, or was it just the ones that you did for your presentation? That I you illustrated? illustrated one for my presentation, so ah, okay. I could sort of talk through. Yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. it was such a big hit. It's something I would like to do for 100%. the other ones um, as well, yeah. because it it provides sort of an an entryway to uh, help people realize they are tracking, help people track with the story. Yeah, totally. Lost. Yeah. There's well, a- that's what made me think about what you were saying, Nick, about kind mm-hmm. of like when you were learning Spanish, connecting the word to the image as opposed right. to the word to the English translation. Like it's, I can, I can still remember that story based on the illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'd forgotten that's right. You, that you just illustrated just for that one. So right. but more yeah, are, images and pictures are so crucial to, mm-hmm. to learning. Mm-hmm. You, did yeah. you, Mary Beth, did you draw that yourself or il- illustrate that yourself or was that outsourced? I think illustration might be a bit of an exaggeration. Are we, are <laughs> we talking stick figures here or what are we? Pretty much, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, was, okay. it was me and paint yeah. and uh, – <laughs> Yeah. I rem- I'm remembering it. It's the dog who looks in the pond. Yeah, yeah. And there's, he sees meat in the pond. Is that right? Yeah, he, he has. He realizes – yeah. oh, it, No, it's not a dog. Maybe it's a cow or a pig or something. <laughs> See that? Dog? Exactly. It was a dog. But <laughs> it was a dog. The fact that you <laughs> – that you're questioning that that's fine now, people have different gifts uh no, yeah, yeah. No, art is not mine yeah. and some of us don't have great memories so right. I, like i'm definitely getting i'm remembering pictures i'm remembering a reflection i'm remembering meat and some sort of creature on the edge um so that's so that's an, that would be part of your publishing is perhaps some yeah. illustrations right right be fun i the, wonder the, I was going to say the ro- the block of gold should be relatively easy to illustrate, like, and the stone. I feel like that's totally. We, I reckon you could get that one. You could nail that one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Are you able to to share that all in Hebrew now, Claire? Though. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I like. I, it's not about me, Nick. I'm just it's like not, to make you're sure right. that. Yeah, you're it's right. it's Mary Beth's show Mary right Beth's, now. So yeah. I'll I'll take a back seat. <laughs> I wonder if we could move in this direction because I think that for many, including myself, might not see the importance today of learning a biblical language, like why it is actually important to learn the original Greek and Hebrew, given we have so many resources out there, software, uh, lexicons, other resources that we can just use to to translate, right, mm-hmm. and to, to understand so why why is it important then to to learn the biblical languages? Well, I mean, even just the assumption behind that uh, question is that language is about decoding words, and uh, so when we approach the biblical languages with with the idea that, well, if I have the data and I know what the English equivalent for the words are, and I have all mm-hmm. of this all these uh, statistics about how often a word is used, um, then therefore I'm being a better listener of the text. Uh, right. When in reality, <laughs> the text is meant to have a particular effect. And mm. uh, by studying the biblical languages to the point that we are able to receive that text, much like its original um, hearers and uh, readers, we are able to um, receive that 
the impact of that communication mm-hmm. and then have uh, an interaction with scripture that's uh, more like what it's intended for. It's intended for communication uh, and it's mm-hmm. in real life human language. And um, there's, uh, there's uh, poetry, there's imagery, there's uh, the use of stock expressions, there's uh, change of stock expressions, there's um, different words that are used in different contexts. And it's only by having a feel for how the language works, uh, that implicit knowledge that we really know how to responsibly um, mm. then use these software and other tools. Mm. Sorry, what are stock expressions? I was just wondering the oh, same sorry, thing. I, I was going to say, no, I was like, I was like, what is that? And then can you give us an example of one? Yeah. Uh, sure. So there are, I, I guess maybe I should have said figures of speech or just standard mm. turns of phrase. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, even even the phrase figure of speech, you know what I mean, but it's right. like, anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, so the expression in Hebrew, for example, um, Vaihar uh, Afadonai. So the anger of the Lord burned. It's literally, if you split off into its separate parts, it's uh, and the nose or nostril of the Lord burned. And and so mm. if you don't know that that's just a standard expression for um, someone becoming angry. Right. Then you you say, oh, well, what does it literally mean? And mm. you get this idea of like a a nose being on fire if you want mm. to be really literal about it. Mm. And mm. you're but you're completely missing the right. communicative intent, which is yeah. essentially this is a way of saying that um be, that he became angry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh. Mary Beth, um if if you were to write, you know, a thesis for your THM, um, what would you write it on? Like, what are you going to write it on? And is it, is it going to build on this stuff that you've done with the with the fables and language learning and stuff? Like, what's your what's your thesis? And then, like, what is in the future of Mary Beth? Like, where would you love? Like, what would you love to do beyond Regent? But tell us about your thesis, maybe if you've got if you've got any sense on that. And then, what would you love to do sure. beyond that? Uh, so. I, uh, I'm doing something kind of sneaky with my thesis as I am doing for my, I did for my integrative project and now it's no longer sneaky because everyone knows about it. Um, <laughs> but I do very much have the, the language learner in mind. So, uh, what I'm looking at for my thesis is how, um, how we can predict what elements will be in a sentence and in what order based on how a sentence begins. Uh, and, so it's uh, there, there I'm using a lot of these tools that we talked about, um, like a, a, a syntactically tagged database and so on. But the um, one of the main goals there is to be able to say uh, to a learner, uh, look, this clause is beginning like this. Therefore, uh, you should prepare yourself mentally <laughs> to encounter um, this in the rest of the clause so that we can uh, really... Hmm. sort of uh, support that thinking in Hebrew, anticipating what comes next in normal Hebrew usage um, and not just sort of waiting till the end till we have all the pieces and have to figure out how they all fit together. Right. Interesting. Is something like that, is that out there right now? Or is that something that database or... 
Oh, the database is out there. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, but so I'm just using it. <laughs> um, gotcha. I'm just using it. And there is a lot of work that's been done on, uh, for example, word order. So this is just kind of another angle into that conversation. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so then that would, so that's your thesis. And then what's next? Well, that's an excellent question. I uh, <laughs> That's the worst question. And people who are listening should know, Claire, don't yeah. ask a Regent student what's next. Like how long have you worked at Regent? That's the worst, absolute worst question to ask someone. But Mary Beth, maybe you've got an answer. I yeah, don't know. I, I would say uh, whatever it looks like, I would like to be part of this movement um, in making biblical language pedagogy centered on communication, whether that's um, developing resources or uh, teaching in a particular field um, or both or some or something related to that. That's what I really uh, hope to be able to do. Wow. Do you know that's what? So we cool. hope you're able to do that as well, Mary Beth. Don't yeah. like just don't you wish there are people just like more people like Mary Beth who love this yes. because it means that those of us who don't love it have trustworthy people we can lean on, except I know you're telling me I need to learn the language as well. So I can't really just rely on, you know, like I can't rely on a lexicon or, a, you know, software. I can't just rely on you either, sadly, as much as I'd like to. But I might for a bit while I'm learning, you know. <laughs> you need help. You need help. I do. I need a lot of, a lot of help in so many ways. We all do. We all do. We yeah. do. Mary Beth, thanks for sharing your passion and your knowledge and yes. your just like desire and just, yeah, the why it's important for us to to think right. well about uh, learning the biblical languages. It's just a delight to talk to you. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, glad to have you. Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is rgnt.net.